Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to Spin the Rally Pod. I have returned Lisa O'Sullivan. The Rally fan is back in the house with our top team, Colin Clark, voice of rally, Luke Barry, deputy editor of Dirtfish.com, no less, and our former motorsport team boss, George Donaldson, all in attendance. And I have to say, guys, it's really nice to be back. It's fabulous to have you back, Lisa. Lovely to have you back, Lisa. Lisa, I have to I have to pull you up on something though. It's a bit too early in the show to pull you up on something. Nope, you can fire away. Are you embracing right. your Lisa ness. Pull you up on something. Well, well, I am a little bit. I am a little bit. It is. It's actually quite a nice point. Um, you did that lovely podcast with Bex Williams, didn't you? I did. And I think a lot of our listeners that listen to that actually got to know quite a lot more about you as well as about Bex, obviously. And I had a note from one saying, "What is this nonsense about Lisa O'Sullivan?" being the the humble rally fan she's much more than that much more than that she's been around rallying for 20 odd years and i never knew that so i do think least we have to come up with a new title for you because it really doesn't reflect reflect you know what you are and where you're at in your rallying kind of career okay right well we'll have to think about that but um let's face it we're all just humble rally fans we're just lucky to be talking about rallying aren't we Except some of you have got very impressive titles. Luke Barry, deputy editor of Dirtfish.com. Does that mean that you have the uh, the budget strings? <laughs> no, it doesn't, sadly. <laughs> Otherwise, you might find me in more corners of the world than I have currently visited. So, ah, yes, no. indeed. Yeah, you, yeah. you and George would have launched your breakaway duo. That's it. It's, that it's happening, it. yeah. There'll be a social media campaign soon. If anybody wants to support it, we'll, we'll think of a, a catchy name for that as well. George and I go travelling the world to obscure rallies. I suspect we should start off just uh, by meet, m- managing to meet up successfully for that coffee as soon as we're only a few miles apart <laughs> and we've not managed that yet and maybe even go to you a local have... rally here in Scotland because they do exist every now and again. You don't have to tell the world, George, that we're that bad. I'm up in, yeah, I'm up in Scotland next week, boys. I think we should organise something. We should organise... Colin, you, Colin, you are not going to get the kudos of being the catalyst that gets Luke and I together. You're not getting that kudos. Sorry, you're excluded. <laughs> I'm going for it, George. I'm going for it, George. Oh. I love the way that Colin's well, saying that without mentioning the fact that we, we are without senior staff writer David Evans because he's in the skies flying southwards at the moment where Colin Clark is waiting to receive him with open arms in Guanajuato, Mexico. Yes, yeah, no, I can't wait. We're here for the, uh, the race of uh, nations which is happening later on this week. It's a fantastic place to come rallying. I've come out a day or so early, at least, because I just love this place. You've been here, George. You've been here oh, a few fantastic. times as well. It's just oh, a wonderful place times. to come to. And, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm staying in a nice little typical sort of guest house in Guanajuato, up in the hills just above the city itself. It's about a 10 or 15-minute walk. It's not a city. It's a town, really, isn't it? down into the town, <laughs> I have to say. Um, they've you got, guys, they've got a cathedral. They've got a cathedral, uh, Colin, and by British standards, a cathedral makes a town a city. 
Yeah, it does, point. George. Doesn't I think it? they've got more than one. They have some of the most impressive well, probably, judges. Probably, yes. Let's, 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 let's but, no, be so, honest. So this morning, yeah. this morning and, and I have to say a big thank you to you, you guys, because if we'd done the podcast at the normal time, I'd have been setting my alarm for midnight, which, which you know, I'd have done. But <laughs> this is a far more <laughs> civilised hour. But what, what I did this morning, I, I set my alarm for 7 o'clock, because at 8 o'clock local time, we were due to, uh, to do our podcast. I thought, I'm going to walk down into town, get myself a coffee, walk back up the hill and be nice and prepared. So that's what I did. Wandered down into the town with the locals. Very pleasant indeed. Got down to the coffee shop. Thought, I better have two coffees, two takeaways, because one's never enough, is it? So then I'm walking back up the hill and there's a little uh, pasteleria or something like that. I don't know what they call them in Spanish. A little bakery. So I thought, I'll get a couple of croissants. Now, at this point, I'm walking up a very steep hill with my hands pretty full, pretty full. I eventually get to the guest house. Can I ask what you're wearing, Colin? Because you're always very nicely turned out. Were you in your dirt fish, bright white shirt in the glorious sunshine? Not quite. Black T-shirt, but I have my dirt fish cap on. But at least as I'm fumbling, as I'm fumbling for my keys in my pocket, what happens to the coffees? All well, that's why I was wondering if you're wearing a nice white shirt, they, they, but you're not. They, no, they, no <laughs> they both go tumbling down the blooming hill. My orange dirt fish trainers... And now have an odour, odour coffee about them. Coffee all over them. It's a terrible thing, a terrible thing. So They're coffee-less. Yeah, yeah coffee-less this morning. But anyway, I'll, I'll wake up uh, you know, very shortly, I'm sure. What I focused in on that is we get team trainers, do we? Did you get any, George? No, no, no. No, no, no. I've been I've been to one rally for Dirtfish and I paid for it myself. Well I didn't actually. It was paid it was paid for by another mission. It was paid for not by another mission. I got some teach Colin went to all the bother. He drove three hundred miles to bring me my team kit and the microphone holder and everything and all the kit. So it was it was very, very personal top service, Lisa, but involved the spending of very little money. As possible. Trainers, as possible, I wouldn't but... have wanted them. I like I like my boots when I'm when I'm on a rally. I like to wear boots yeah, because like you know boots. it's a it's a it's a tough environment and only only the pretentious wear jangles. Colin, <laughs> stop wearing them, like George. They're retired. Oh, thank They're God. retired. Oh, thank God God for that. Are you on? Are you on to some manly boots now? I've got some boots, George. Like you, I, it depends on on the on the the destination. You know, at least you know what it's like out here. There are rattlesnakes all over the place. Yeah. So I have yeah. a pair, pair of boots if we're heading out into the into the stages. But no, I've got these nice orange trainers, and I, and I saw them online. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's a dirtfish orange, that lovely burnt orange, and I did buy them myself. They're, they're mine. Um, so yeah, no, but they're, they're, they're looking very secondhand. I might have to take them in the shower with me later on and give them a good scrub. Is that a good plan? Well, just, just think, think about Kenya later in the year. There's lots of, uh, there's lots of scorpions around and about in Kenya. Right, we're going to move boots. away from an image of Colin in the shower. Okay. We're going to talk about the Azores now, because I, mean, I don't know about you, Luke, but I've, I've kind of switched off now and actually want to start talking about That's some rallying. Let's um, yeah, call, call me economics instead, right, instead <laughs> of rallying. But we, we bring you everything on this podcast. That's part of the joy, I like to think. Yeah, so let's let's focus on the rallying bit, shall we? And and let's talk about the Azores. Um, such a beautiful event, usually with glorious, fantastic pictures. But um, Bex Williams actually did send me a picture of one of, one of the camera crew. Um, I looked like they were in about a Force Twelve gale. I saw um, that. I saw that photograph. Absolutely yeah. superb photograph of the conditions that <laughs> they were out there preparing for the event on the ERC. It was a great event, Luke, wasn't it? Tell us yeah, about sorry, it. Sorry, I, I, I did not take the cue there to start speaking. <laughs> no, it, it was actually. This, I have to say as well, I know we've had discussions about the all-life system for ERC in recent weeks. This was my first time actually 
paying attention to it. So it was quite interesting to to view it this regularly. And I have to say, you you mentioned it already, but Azores, I think, is is one of those rallies where everybody just wants to go. You see it on the TV and you just want to be there. It's it's fantastic. I don't know how the drivers do it because if it was me, I'd be looking out the window with all the views and everything, <laughs> not at the road ahead of me. But yeah, it, it was a challenging event. It was quite a an interesting event from a competition perspective as well, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get into. But Ricardo Mora had the lead um, for, I think, pretty much the entire rally um, until Efren Lorena fantastically took about 13 seconds out of him in two stages. And I think by now we've all seen the celebrations with with Efren and his team, the MRF guys, it was their first win in the ERC. It was, I think Colin tweeted it, it almost beat the actual performance of, of the driving. It was that great a celebration. <laughs> well, yeah, it was, it was, it was, um, it, it was something to watch. It really was. Uh, a very excitable character is, is the guy that's in charge of the, the MRF team. And you know, fair play to them. You know, they're, you know, they're very, very new into uh, this level of rallying. I think they're now three years into ERC rallying. They, they, they bid for the tyre supplier for the WRC. They put in a fairly substantial bid for that. Didn't get it. You know, M- MRF are very much an Indian-based company. Um, and, you know, they produce a phenomenal number and range of tyres, from bicycle tyres to fighter jet tyres to motorbike tyres to obviously rally tyres. So they're, they're a fairly large company, a family-owned company, and, you know, they've put quite a bit of investment into rallying over the past two or three years. And... And you could see what it meant to them on that stop line. It was, um, you know, is it fair to say it was comical? Is that, is that a bit much? It was, it was, it was entertaining. <laughs> it almost, it ramped up. And that's what I find amazing is there was like a calmness of celebration. They weren't sure if they'd won. And then they were sure and it got bigger and then it just kept on going. It was, yeah, it, it was it quite did. something. But It did. And, and I have to say, you know, um, the celebrations aside, uh, you know, what, what did I make of the rally? Well, as you said, Luke, it, was, it, it is a spectacular place. I've been rallying there a couple of times. The reason you don't spend the whole time look, looking at the scenery is you don't actually see much of it because the vast majority of the stages there are through the lanes and they're all lanes. They're like if, if you're in the UK when you go down to Devon and Cornwall. And who is wandering around in the background? George, we can hear George you. George Donaldson? George Donaldson, he's, he's, he's just, he's a... He's a you're a busy boy. But the, the lanes there are very much like the lanes of Devon and Cornwall. You know, they've got high banks and hedges on the top of them. So you don't actually see an awful lot other than the lanes for an awful lot of the kilometres. But, you know, it, it, it is a great, great event. Um, and, and the Portuguese love it. And there was a big, big entry of Portuguese drivers with our five cars. Mora is the local Azorian driver. And he's been champion out there many, many times in the past. And... I don't know what happened to him on that final stage, Luke, but I, I got the feeling that he, he in the last two stages, tried to manage things and managed it very badly. You know, I'm not so yeah. sure that the Spaniards upped his pace that much. I, I just think Mora got his strategy wrong. Yeah, uh, the interview at the end of the second last stage, it seemed to suggest that he was just taking it easy because naturally when you see the split times come in, people start to panic. Like, is there a problem? Is, is he in trouble? But no, he seemed... And he seemed very calm about it. He seemed very sure that he, he had it all under control. And who are we to doubt him? Because as Colin mentioned, I think it's 10 Azorian championships he's won before. So he knows what he's doing in that part of the world in a rally car. But, but yeah, the, the pace on, on, I think he was, I need to double check it actually, but on the last stage, I think he was third fastest. So it wasn't a terrible, terrible time. But F. Rennie, he, he seemed to have the, the bit between his teeth because um, he was yeah. miles faster than anybody on the power stage. 
Um, and it was strange because he hadn't won a stage all weekend. He just sat there. He'd almost done what you'd almost call the, the Elvin Evans role in the WRC. He was just always there, just ready to take the podium position. But he, he sensed a chance and he, he took it brilliantly. So he has to be now. And it's hard to tell with ERC because we've only been in Portugal. because we've had a lot of Portuguese drivers there. But he has to be now one of the, one of the favourites for the championship, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. He has to be one of the favourites. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm still undecided about ERC. I really am. And I'm still undecided about the uh, many things around the ERC. But, you know, what I do like is the emergence of young talent. And I'm always, always uh, absolutely delighted to support young talent. And, and in your Efran and Wagner, it looks as if maybe... We've got a couple of talented youngsters there who, who have the potential to push on. And that, that's what we kind of got to hope that ERC starts to provide for us, is this, this proving ground for these young drivers. You know, you look at John Armstrong as well in the, the Rally 3 car. He, he set a few top 10 times in the Rally 3 car out there. So, uh, you know, there, there is hope, there is potential. I, I think we're, we're far from the finished product with the all-live coverage of it. Um, but, uh, but that will develop, as we said at the end of the opening rounds. It will develop. And I, I would still like to see them trying some new things with that, some new innovations. You know, there's a lot of rallying now that we can watch, and there has to be a compelling reason for us to watch it, to take time out of our busy schedules to watch it. Um, you know, and I think that they need to look at some ideas, some innovations, mix things up a little bit in the way that they cover the rally, and you know, maybe they've got a winner there. I don't know. I don't know. It will all depend on characters, coverage, competition, CCC, bang. That was pretty good for this time in the morning. Is that just because it's Colin Clark as well? CC, you want to add C- that in there as well? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see the season unfold and um, keep an eye on, on how things develop there as well. So we might as well move on to Mexico now, Colin. Uh, we've, we've done mm. the pretty bit. We've done the picture bit. You're, you're heading off to Leon later today, I understand. Yeah, to Leon, which is where the service park is, and it, and it always is. It's a magnificent service park here. Uh, for many years, it was inside the, what do they call it? I suppose they call it a convention uh, centre. Massive, no, massive. No, it had a much better name, didn't it? It was called the Polyforum. It's called oh, the Polyforum. Was it, yeah. I, I don't know what we... It is kind of an exhibition area, I yes. suppose. And for many, many years, the service park was inside. Uh, and, and then it just it was just always... It was, it was nice to be inside, but then it was always a bit noisy, a bit fumey. Uh, so they've moved it outside into the, the grounds just outside the Polyforum. And it's a great place. You know, Leon is a very big and bustling city. It's one of the biggest, no, I think the second biggest city in Mexico. But the big, big thing with Rally Mexico is, is always the atmosphere. You, you get the most incredibly passionate rally. And I'm not going to call them fans because they're not. They're spectators. They're, there are people that you know, won't really bat an eyelid or look at rallying for... 363 days of the year but the two or three days that the rally's on they love it and they come out and they provide some of the uh, you know the best color that we have in rallying anywhere anywhere in the world and and it's it's a great place to come to and i think this innovation that the uh, the organizers of rally mexico have have well they've done it in the past they did it a few years ago but the rally of nations concept it's going to be exciting you know there's there's, there's going to be some good big big names here some good competition Great crowds, great stages. Who? who? F- fill us in for those of us who uh, haven't actually looked at the entry well, sheets, think, even though Luke's they meant got to, the but they haven't quite got Luke, around you got to it yet. The list there? Uh, that's pressure because I don't have the full list, but ah, I can tell you. you I give can, us the names. I can tell you some. I can headline tell you some headline acts. acts. Yeah. yeah. Um, Harry Rovinpera is one, which I think is quite intriguing, um, mainly because obviously he, he's Cali's father. Um, I think we did joke with Cali actually if he was going to go out and watch his dad, and he said he might. Um, I don't know if he's got a plan to come to Mexico or not. I'm guessing not. 
Um, but Harry's there. We've got Mads Osberg is there. We have Adrian Formeau, of course, is there as well, which it's a big opportunity for him, this, actually, because he's not been to Mexico before and, and not in a Rally 1 car or a WRC car. He's not been at all. So if Mexico returns to the World Championship that we believe it may do, then it's a brilliant chance for him to, to learn the stages because most of them will be used in the future. Um, we've got, yeah, what's his name? We better cut this bit. <laughs> Matthew <Okay>. Wilson. He'll <laughs> be offended. So um, we've got the Wilson Senior as well. Matthew is coming to be part of Team GB. And, and that's the, the unique thing about this event. I just mentioned a nation there, but it is an overall competition and a rally like it would be for anybody else. But there's also the, the nation's aspect, hence the name. Um, but that, I think, I think in itself, brings an entirely new proposition because drivers are used to racing for, for their team. Like, so say you've got Formula, he's used to driving for M Sport, but to make a comparison to football, if, if you're a club footballer that plays for, say, Manchester United, the drivers are now playing for their country, and that's not something you tend to do as a motorsport competitor. So I think that's, that'll be quite a unique thing, and it'll be interesting to see how the two pairings level out, because you could well have the rally winner out front, but their, their teammate is nowhere, and the nation ends up coming out fourth or fifth. I just think that adds a, a nice, unique dynamic. I love it. It's, it's kind but of you, like a Ryder Cup of rallying. Kind of, yes. but but no, yeah. but I mean, oh, that's more. I know that's many countries against the USA, but it, it just it does bring. In, oh, excuse me, just ping that down. Um, it it does bring a, a totally different team element to it. You have to get on with your your teammates, don't you? You absolutely do. At least you know what I've just done, and I'm feeling a little bit worried about it. I've just muted George. Oh dear, because you could hear him, or we could hear him in the background. He's a busy man, George. Don't I've muted him. I should unmute him. Unmute he him and check he's okay. You're right, George. He might, he might get angry with me, mightn't he? But it's fine. I can, oh, I can edit. Him. <laughs> oh, hang on. No, no, no. Remove, remove from call. Oh no, don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. How do I unmute him? Does he have to unmute himself? Potentially. I, don't know how, I actually don't know how you did it. So. Um... <laughs> oh no. Colin Clark. Doesn't give me the option. Hang on. Doesn't give me the option to unmute him. No, I bet we can. There he there. is. There. There, there you go. Back, back again. I'm back with you. Back apologies, apologies, guys. Actually, what I've got is a cat desperate to get out, so I was trying to. I could hear the cat. I, I wasn't I sure if it was yeah, a baby so... or a cat that was ready to kill something. Was this the really tiny little cute ragdoll kitten? That's it. He's now a medium-sized cat. Um, He's a year old now, so they're still grow for two years. Apparently, he's absolutely gorgeous. Anyway, I thought I'd be soft on cats, guys, but I am. Fair enough. Um, we're talking about mm. the Rally of Nations, George, and being part of yes, the I've team been player for your country. To the whole thing. Yeah, I don't quite understand how that works. It, it sounds like a little bit contrived to me, but it's all fabulously good fun. And I'm I'm going to have to root for the French team. I'm sorry, Matthew, um, Mr. Wilson, and and whoever else is doing it. Uh, it, it Diddy Orell, I'm just his biggest fan. So what's he driving? This, is, this isn't a new thing, though, George. You say it's a bit contrived. It, it, I think it was back in 2009 that it uh, was... I know. It, it was contrived then as well, I oh, guess. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. George, George it's, it's, con it's contrived, but, but you know, any, <clears throat> anything that's different... Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to say, uh, no, you know? just it, I don't think I don't think Rally Mexico needs to be contrived. It's it, it's such a significantly fantastic event on its own. Great stages, great atmosphere, great country, great people, great views, lovely food, nice weather. Yeah, it's got it all, hasn't it? Really. Oh, very expensive rental cars, as I recall. Has that changed, Colin? 
No, geez, not at all, no, George. It's got worse. No. It's got the you know. Got I, I, you know, I, well, I'm like I can fall out with rental car people anywhere in the world, <laughs> but I fall out with them here just about on every single occasion I come here. It actually got to the point, George. Were you in the car? <laughs> so they, they rented me. Um, it's the only place that I'll spend a little bit more money and get a four wheel drive or a Jeep. You know, they're very rarely four-wheel drive. They're these American things that look like four-wheel drives, but they're in fact two-wheel drives. But it's the only place that I'll rent one because otherwise you're guaranteed, guaranteed to get multiple punctures. Well, I rented this Jeep a few years ago. And you were there, George, a big white thing, a Jeep Cherokee yeah. or something. Yes, that's right, yeah. And it had one tire on it that was, I mean, it wasn't legal, but it, it, it just barely had, there was no tread on it, just slick rubber. Inevitably, first stage we go through, it, it punctures. And I didn't just puncture, it completely ripped the tire. So I put the spare on, back down to the main road. The great thing about Mexico is there's, there's a tyre repair shop or a tyre shop just about on every single corner. So it wasn't yeah. too difficult to find somewhere. and It needed a whole new tyre, so I put this whole new tyre on it. Cost me quite a lot of money for the whole new tyre. Went back, took the car back to the rental place, and the guy went, no, 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 that, that's not the right tyre. And I went, yeah, but it's a brand new tyre. He said, no, 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 that's a Pirelli tyre. You know, we don't put Pirelli tyres on these cars. <laughs> I said, I don't care. That is a brand new tire. And what you gave me was a car with a, you would barely call it a tire. He went, nope, that's not the right tire. I'm going to charge you your deposit for that. It was about 400 quid. And he was oh, yeah, absolutely adamant. Yeah. He was absolutely adamant. And I said, that's absolutely fine. Have you got a knife? Have you got a knife? No, 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 senor, I, I don't have a knife. I said, tell you what, just wait here. I'll go into the airport and I'll get a knife and I'll come back out. And I was so angry. I was so angry. I literally went, to the airport, got a knife from the restaurant, came back. By the time I'd got back, the guy had spoken to his boss and went, no, 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 senor, don't slash the tire. Don't slash it. We won't charge you for it. Um, but it was, it was one of those moments. It was one of those moments where I thought, dearie me, dearie, dearie me. But higher cars are always an issue here. But, but you know, but no, I've, I've left it to David Evans this time. So it's all down to David to sort the higher car out. Nothing to do with me. So what did you take? You got, I took a taxi from the airport to I all did. the way to Guanajuato. You should have taken a bus, Colin. What were you thinking? No, but George, here's the thing. I'm taking the bus back. I'm going, I'm going back to Leon this afternoon. So yes. I'm taking the bus back. I didn't get in until 11 o'clock at night. You don't, you don't take buses at that kind of time of night around here. So, no, I'm, I'm going to take the bus. I'm going to get a taxi from here to the, the bus station and then the bus to Leon, which will be a fun Uber. Is there not Uber experience. there? They must have Uber in uh, yeah, Mexico. Yeah, yeah, just take Uber. Uber. It's perfect. God, I'm bored. I'm really yeah. bored. Sorry. We're Move not on there to talk about yes. the competition. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So the what's competition. The comp what, what's from what's Didier driving? Well, this is the thing, George, with you saying that this is the big news, isn't it? We keep getting big announcements about who's coming out. And do you know what? There's some great drivers coming out for this. It is going to be fun. It's going to be something a little bit different. And, and you know, we've talked about it before. You know, Innovation. We're talking about innovation in the ERC. Uh, contrived innovation. Call it what you like. I'd rather call it innovation. Um, it is going to be dead interesting to follow and I think really exciting. And the French team with Formo and Didier Oriel, who as a rally fan would not want to follow that? Who I would know, not I want know, to follow yeah, it? I want it to is, follow it. It I is will sensational. Be and at the same time, Harry Rovanpera. Oh, my word. I mean, it, you know, it is going to be exciting. There's no question about that. You know, these guys are driving cars that they've, that they've had provided for them. Um, and I'm not quite sure how it's going to work out, out in terms of levelling out the performance of the cars. We'll, we'll find that out later on in the week for you and we'll get back about that. But it doesn't matter. To me, it doesn't matter. Just seeing the likes of yeah. Rovenpera back out on these stages, some of the best gravel stages in the world. You know, Oriel out on the stages, 
you know, the young up and coming Frenchman, uh, mm. you know, out on the stages for more. It is going to be magnificent and I, and I can't wait for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. And Matthew, Matthew Wilson, I have to say, Matthew Wilson was an incredible talent, a rising talent, uh, you know, at, at that point in his career, you know, shortly before he, he gave up. He, 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 he plateaued at some point. I don't know why he plateaued. I can imagine why he might have plateaued. But um, I never discussed it with him. But, you know, he was a phenomenal talent that was capable of producing fastest times. But then he just didn't move to the next level. That last tiny little step he did. He chose not to make it, I think, is the bottom line. It'll be an interesting chat with him at some point. But a great talent and, you know, super driver, lots and lots of ability. So he'll go out there and have an absolute blast as well. And Diddy really just drives for pure know, pleasure. I, I always thought about Matthew Wilson is that he, he never got the credit for the talent that he had. Um, you know, and, and we're, we're kind of skirting around the issue here. I, I, I think that you look at, I think he had one crash and he's, oh, he had a huge crash in the UK that, that he was very fortunate to walk away from. But in the, the, the World Rally Championship, he only had really one crash of any substance and that was in Sweden. If you're going to crash, crash your car in Sweden and put it into a snowbank, which he did end on his roof, I think, in a snowbank somewhere. He never crashed. He, he was very, very aware of not crashing that car, not costing M-Sport any more money than he had to. But his talent was, he, he was a solid, dependable, quick driver. And, and he never got the, the, the um, recognition for that. And I remember when he came back, when I was covering the, the British Rally Championship, he did a round there, and he was bang on the pace against the best of British youngsters. He did it again last year. He came back into the British Championship, and um, you know, and he was right, right up there with some drivers who are really, really highly considered in terms of young talent. Uh, and he got back in the car, and he was quick. There, there is no question that Matthew mm. Wilson is is a top class driver, and and yeah, that team. Because uh, tell me, it's Tom, 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 Tom. Help us out here, Luke, the, the second English driver, Tom Williams. Uh, another, you know, yeah. it, it is nice to see, isn't it, with the French, you've got the experienced driver, the younger driver. The same with Finland, you've got Harry Robinpera and a young Finnish driver competing. Um, you With the English team, you've got Matthew Wilson and Tom Williams, and Tom's ploughing his furrow, his rallying furrow, if you like, in, in the States these days, or this year. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. He's competed out here as well before, so the concept's great, and the, the team structures are great, and yeah, as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm looking mm. forward to it. There's only one thing wrong with Matthew's entry is that I'm not co-driving for him. What was he thinking about? Who is co-driving for him? <laughs> I think it's Stuart. I think it's Stuart Loudon that's co-driving oh, for that's, him. That's, so. Okay, that's better than me. That's better than me, without <laughs> a doubt. <laughs> but I would, have, I would have been good fun with him. He would have had fun with me. I like to go quick. He, get, he gets you biscuits do. from Stuart Loudon, doesn't he? I was so going to say. Uh, yeah. Look, I could have, I could have brought a couple of, a couple of biscuits. So no, okay. no. I, could have, I could have found George. some McVitie's to bring. The man who sticks the chocolate on the chocolate machine at the Tunnock's Tea Cake Factory is always going to win out. Yeah. Yeah. He brings a sack full of, of tea cakes with him. I don't know how they'll do in the heat. But George, talking about going quick, remember <laughs> remember the time that um, that we hired that that car? What, what is the car out here? What's, it's like an old Nissan, isn't it? The most basic car you've ever driven. But Nissan imported hundreds yeah. of thousands, if not millions of them. Was it a um, Nissan Sunny or a Primera or something like that, wasn't it? Oh, oh, it, it, yeah. it was a real, real basic thing. And, and, I, and I'd hired, and you weren't on the insurance. <clears throat> and I remember we were up on the, the Kubeletti stage, and it was the Kubeletti stage before they'd paved the road. So it went almost all the way up to Kubeletti. is the most incredible mm. uh, monument with a statue of Christ on top. And it absolutely towers over everything in the Wanawato region. 
the most spectacular stoplight I have ever stood at anywhere. Um, unfortunately, they don't use it anymore because, as I say, they pay for the roads. <laughs> I remember, remember doing the recce there uh, with you, and, and you got so frustrated with me because I was trying to drive and be nice and tidy and neat on the stage. And you and we, we went to have a look. We went about <laughs> six or seven k's out the stage. And you went, Colin, Colin, just, 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 just move over. Get out, get out, get out. I'll drive it back. <laughs> I'll drive it back. And oh my good gods, oh my gods. Oh, it was terrifying. I, honestly, this car had probably never seen anything like it. In fact, it hadn't seen anything like it. You absolutely thrashed the pants off the poor wee thing um, and terrified me all the way back. I just, I just let it, I let it breathe, Colin. The car just needed to breathe. It just oh, needed to, to be a let off the leash and breathe a little bit. I let it, I let it off the leash. It was a happy car. If it's I the think it took us seven or eight minutes to get out there and about three to get back. <laughs> <laughs> if it's the car, I think it is. They were actually built like tanks anyway. Was it Mexico where one of our colleagues accidentally locked the keys in the boot? And then yes, couldn't, no, that, was Argentina. that was Argentina. That was Argentina. Couldn't Same get into the car. Tried everything yeah. to get into the boot of the car. Took the back seats out and found that it was welded. <laughs> <laughs> God no! I think it ended up to smash the lock off the boot to oh, actually get in there to get that, the keys That sounds out. expensive. Another place that's expensive to rent cars too. Yeah, that was somebody having a very bad day, bad weekend. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we'll keep an eye on dirtfish.com for plenty of details of what's going to be happening at the Rally of Nations in Mexico. Colin will be doing his thing. And uh, David Evans will be doing his thing. And while you're on the website, don't forget to check out all the content from the Women in Motorsport Month on dirtfish.com. There's some great stuff. And there's also some content going to be heading up there very soon once I've finished doing some editing. Um, we'll be hearing more from Michelle Mouton and Penilla Solberg as well. And if you've missed any of the articles, they're <clears throat> there for you to read and enjoy. And it is great stuff. So, uh, yeah, go back, check it, read it. Enjoy it, so you know what WIM stands for. Anyway, absolutely, uh, and, and also just in, in the spirit of the last little bit of uh, Women's Month, uh, it, it, we've talked about uh, Mr. Lorena doing such a great job. Let's not uh, m forget to mention his co-driver, the lovely Sarah Fernandez. Great job all round, ladies, and once once again, rallying, proving that it's uh, very very inclusive. Uh, for 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 women, and I always I always think it's absolutely you know, I think our sport is open to women. So any women listening, any 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 men listening with girlfriends, or maybe could be interested in motorsport. For goodness sakes, leverage them into it. We'll give you all the help we can uh, to to get them in because there's a great opportunity, great opportunities. You know, obviously on Dirtfish, we're, we're covering we're covering the Otago Rally in a few weeks' time. Actually, the week after the Rally of Nations and. Do you know what? They published the entry list, I think it was last week, and I wasn't surprised because I've been out to Otago and I've seen this in operation, but there were so many women on the entry list for Otago. It was absolutely fabulous to see. Now, look, I kind of set you boys a wee bit of a task to write an article about that. How are you getting on with that article? <laughs> it should actually be, I believe, by the time this podcast comes out, it will be on the website. Hey. So fabulous. There we it, are. It is, it, is, it is something really special, and I'm sure your article covers it, but... You know, I, I talked to the guys in Otago many times about it when I was out there and subsequently. And, you know, it's just the way, as George said, you know, it's, it's girlfriends, it's, it's, it's daughters, it's sons, it's families that come rallying. It's not just the dads that go out rallying. It's the whole family that goes rallying. And take a look at that entry list and have a little read of the article when it comes out later this week, um, because they're doing something very, very special in that part of the world. 
in terms of inclusivity and rallying. Uh, and it's, uh, it, it's working. It's clearly working. And it'll be great to see all those, those women on that entry list when Otago kicks off in just a few weeks' time. Fantastic. Look forward to the time that that's not a surprise and it's just the norm. Right, let's move on to the Kata Baja. Meek and Sordo, Luke. Well, it was interesting, this. It was interesting because I believe they were both, at least Chris was running under, like, Nasser Alatia's Academy of Drivers, which in itself I think is, is quite intriguing. But um, it was a lot better for Meek, it has to be said, the event. Um, there were no sort of issues for him this time, no roles or anything like that. It was a very good performance, actually. I believe he was fourth overall and first in his class, which was his first ever win. Um of any kind of class or anything in, in this kind of off-road racing. So it was a very good event for him. Danny was actually, was very quick. It was his first ever rally raid event. Um, and, uh, to be honest, I, I, it wasn't something I thought was on his radar um, at all. So it's interesting that he's gone out and done that. I don't know if it points to anything in the future, but either way, he was, I believe he was quicker than Chris um, and up very near the top of the class at the beginning and then had quite a few um, navigational issues, shall we call them. I think he missed about three waypoints in a row and lost about 45 minutes as a result. So that, that was it. That would, explain, that would explain why he was quicker, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I like to think he was, he was quicker on one of the tests where this didn't happen, but I don't know. Um, I'm not informed enough, so I'll plead Danny's case for him there. <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it was interesting to see the two things because we know that Chris and Danny obviously have a very good friendship as well. And they used to be teammates at Mini, of course. So, I don't know, it's, it's quite nice to have them both out doing that sort of thing. It's, it's, I think it's really interesting, and it, and it is... You know, the, the surprise was Danny Sordo on that entry list. Chris Meek has been around the peripheries for a couple of years now, hasn't he, off the off-road with, obviously, his, his entry into Dakar and various other bits and pieces. But, but Sordo, we weren't, we weren't expecting, maybe at this point, to, to see him. But, but I think you'll see more and more drivers going out and trying their hand at Baja. And I think as... As those events, you know, there's a world championship to be won there now, and it's fairly well funded in some areas. There's more manufacturer interest as well in that type of sport, but it's such a different sport. I mean, we we saw it with it was it was Mickelson, wasn't it? Mickelson was kind of parachuted in at the last moment to Dakar with zero experience of this type of off road rallying, and and it's terrifying. George, you'll know what it's like. You've been out in the desert enough. When when you're following waypoints across the desert, and you know, okay, at times you're following tracks, but a lot of the time. You're just going with the rolling dunes, and, and, and there's a real technique in that. Mickelson went out to, to, uh, to Saudi Arabia for Dakar, was blindingly quick, I think, through the first stage, and then binned it on the second stage. Because you can't, it's not about speed. It, well, it's, listen, it's always about speed, but it's not about flat-out speed. It's about managing your speed, managing the risk, understanding the dunes, understanding the jeopardy in the dunes. So uh, Mickelson found that to his cost very much in Dakar. And it's a learning process. And Meek's got a little bit more learning under his belt than obviously Sordo's got. I think there's another interesting factor there, Colin. You're absolutely right with everything you say. And for me, another massive factor is is uh, the driver contributing to the navigation. Now, I know that sounds like a slightly odd thing to say, but so the co-driver's down there looking at looking at his his road book, which is you know sometimes it's just you know got you know third dune on the left with a funny hump on the top, not quite. But I mean I've I've never done one of these events, but I've seen some of the road books, and and it, it's quite difficult. And I suspect, and and again having talked to a number of drivers that have done it, Andrew Cowan amongst that, 
the driver can definitely contribute to the navigation without without a doubt at all. It can be a huge difference. So, you know, Chris um, Chris has now done a few of these events and he'll understand that. He's a clever cookie. He'll have understood that and he will have contributed not just to these driving skills, but also to make the team work inside the car, to, to lift the load on the co-driver, to help him to identify those very difficult points, to you know, figure out, you know, saying, you know, you know, the co-driver will look and saying, right, 9.8 kilometres, we should be, we should be coming to a, a, a Y junction and branch left. And the driver to say, actually, you know, I mean, again, if, if it's, if it's been, if, if it's wheel driven, um, I'm not quite sure how the, the trip meters and these things work. I think they're all GPS now, so it should be easier. But GPS trip meters, they have their own problems because if you've, if you've, had a spin out or not quite gone the right way some point, uh, they're very, very difficult to reset, pause and restart. Difficult to do that on all the ones I've used. Again, they might have better kit, but I think they're quite rigid about what they're allowed in respect of that. But a driver can say, actually, no, I, no, I think uh, I think we've maybe not quite got to that point yet. I think I've been spinning the wheels a bit too much or something, you know. But my point being is the driver can definitely contribute to lift the load and make it easier for the co-driver. 100% sure that they can. And that would be a factor yeah. for for Danny and and uh, failing and Chris succeeding. So all all part of Chris I, for agree. that one. I'd agree with you totally, George. And it's 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 a real specialist discipline for co-drivers as well. And, oh, and it is we, massively. We have, a, we have seen a bit of crossover. And you know, Michael Orr with Yazid Al Raji. Michael Orr was very much a stage navigator, um, and and the preferred navigator of choice for Yazid. But you know, as Yazid's career moved away from stage rallying and more into cross country. He wanted to take Michael with him, but he couldn't. You know, he couldn't because Michael just didn't have that experience. But what Michael did was he went down. He went away, if you like. He did his homework. He did his, his learning. Uh, and he's built up his experience. And he's now a very, very competent off-road navigator. But you don't often see crossover. We saw it with, with um, Daniel Elena. And Elena really, really struggled with Sebastian Loeb. And, and it's such... A specific discipline and it requires a totally different not a totally different approach but really quite a different approach from stage rally and navigation and and i i find the whole thing fascinating i love it and i think there's an awful lot of potential in this new off-road world championship what do they call it luke the um oh i think it's the, it, it's got like a a shortened name of the w2rc but i think it's just world rally raid championship I don't need two RC, and you get I get confused with WRC two every time I read that. <laughs> I keep thinking, why are they writing about WRC two? Oh no, hang on a minute, it's me reading it wrong. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fascinating stuff, and as I say, it'll be interesting to see how that championship develops over the coming years, and how many you know top line rally drivers we get maybe moving into it. It's nice to see that we're not losing people from the sport; that they are finding a way to uh, continue com competition when perhaps when they've moved away from the the top level of the WRC. So, yeah, it, it's good to see. Um, one other thing I want us to, to squeeze in before we're finished, and uh, Colin, you mentioned this. It was Andrew Wheatley's comments about the 2025 regulations saying mm. that they will be an evolution, not a revolution. That's something I would have expected him to say five years ago, not three years' time. Mm. You know, I, OK, I, you know, I, I just, I'm, not, I'm not on top of it enough, really, but, but it, does, it does worry me a little bit. Um, your hybrids. Well, I can under I can understand it. Go on, George. Well, on, I can understand on. it. Well, bas basically, you know, we've shifted to a hybrid formula, and and 
okay, we've had one reasonably trouble-free event and one rather troubled event where a few things went wrong. Happily, at least FI have reacted to it and they've they've made a change. You could argue that uh, black and blue. I think we've already done that. I think it's uh, a fair enough change that they've tried to instigate. And what they'll try and do now is... You know, uh, moving moving forward in uh, the the political aspects of moving towards electric. There's there's various drives going on to make certain things happen, but but realistically, um, the 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 smart the smart practicality is was going to be plug-in hybrids. So I would like to see us develop what we've currently got to make the the hybrid aspect of it more meaningful perhaps and more related yeah. to to what the road cars are coming and i imagine that's okay. what they're going to do we'll 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 shift it maybe a slightly bigger battery or a cleverer system that, that will be developed and now if let, let's assume that this crowd that are doing it at the moment what are they called them um, compact, compact dynamics, dynamics you know very competent crew by all accounts although I, I made some comment about some of the safety systems that they didn't seem to have installed but as i said at the time also there are, can be complexities with that but what you would like to do is say, is, right, they're getting the rally experience, they're understanding the environment, they'll now be able to tailor a much better system for the, for the next evolution of the rules that will, will, will be more relevant. And I would like to see, I would like to see rallying at the bleeding edge of, of car development as it yeah. used to be back in, in, in the early days of rallying. Yeah. That might not be a, a practical reality these days with the way that cars are now developed. Uh, but but it would still be nice to see it somewhere up at the front, proving that these things can uh, these things can work and have a practical application. Um, and I think it would be very very beneficial for the sport to be in that position. And it sounds to me like that's what they're doing. So I'm happy with the concept of evolution. Very very happy to hear that. What do you, Luke? Yeah. What about you, Luke? I think it it does probably. I agree with George, really, <laughs> to be very succinct about it. But I, I think from a cost perspective as well, I think if they're going to, given these rules, the Rally 1 rules, are only ever meant to be around for three years. If they're having to go with something completely different again, that'd be quite a difficult buy-in for manufacturers, particularly the ones that have spent so much. You look at M Sport and Ford in particular, because we know they've not always had the budget of their two rivals. And to invest that much again in another brand new car would be quite a big ask. Um, as George basically talks about, I think the key is, I think we're set with the way the internal combustion engine works and the, the aerodynamics and all the rest of it. It's what the extra propulsion is going to be. Are we going to get rid of the, the internal combustion engine altogether? Are we going to have the teams developing their own hybrid units? Are we going to go for something completely different? I don't know. Um, but I'm glad it's not me making that decision, put it that way. Um, <laughs> It's, it's not an easy thing to have the foresight to get it right for the world in, in three years' time because we all yeah. know how quickly the world moves. The last couple of years have, have proved that, if nothing else. Well, that's, 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 that's exactly right. But, you know, <clears throat> this is a three-year... I don't even know if it's been confirmed if it's a three-year homologation cycle. That in itself is unusual. They're normally five-year homologation cycles. Um, so a decision was made to reduce the period of homologation for, for the Rally 1 car maybe in recognition that we needed to do something more. In fact, I guess that that's almost certainly why they've gone with a three-year homologation. George, I, I, I'm, I'm coming around to your way of thinking as well, you know, and I suppose to Andrew Wheatley's way of thinking. Uh, you know, an evolution is good, but, but, but can you have a revolutionary evolution? <laughs> of course you can. Of course you yeah, can. Because what I, mean, what, what I, mean, I want to see... They've not George, got a concept. Listen, they George, could go please hydrogen. Please they could go George, hydrogen. George, what I want to... You know, you, you mentioned quite a while back now you know, there's with the electric boost, with the electric power that's created by the hybrid unit, 
you know, you can use that in different ways. And I remember we talked once about, well, you know, what about awarding extra points or, or time, giving time back for extra use of the hybrid? So if you choose not to use the hybrid in the stages, but you choose to use it on the road sections and you get more keys of road section use. Remember you talked about that. I thought, yeah, that's there's something Yeah, in that. I mean, I don't know. Was I must have been you know, spitballing because it sounds awful. <laughs> no, no, it, it doesn't sound awful, but you, you, the way you yeah. described it, I thought, yeah, there's some sense in that somewhere. You know, someone mentioned to me the other day, if we do stay with this formula and we do go with a, a, an evolution, you know, what about a full stage in electric? So the power stage in electric mode, you know, let's get to the point where they can do that yeah. kind of thing. Where, Colin, where, that's, that's, you know, that's great, yeah. We had 600 meters of electric power. Now, I might be wrong with that, but that's the figure I read. 600 meters of full electric in Sweden. You know, I mean, it, it just it lays us open to, to, to ridicule. It really does. Yeah, when, when it does you actually, like yeah. We, we, you know, and so, so we need to, if we're going to stay with, with the hybrids, it can't just be your slight evolution. It's got to be a radical evolution of the hybrid. And there, there maybe have to be some, again, you know, so what I used earlier, innovations in the way that we use it, innovations in the way that we reward. You know, the, the big problem with all electric, from what I understand, and electric mapping, mapping is that, you know, you can, you can use it in certain places and you can use all of it and you can have incredible speed, but, you know, it's, it's very limited. So, you know, it's about how you manage that, the use of that electric power. You know, let, let's have a look at that. Let's have a look at how we, how we reward teams potentially for using more electric and and uh, you know as i say george you did mm -hmm. mention that a wee while back i liked it but you did put it better your road sections using more electric mm -hmm. you get rewarded yeah. in some way yeah. for that in some way you know and that that is it that that's that for me if we can find an evolution that that takes us forward in that way then yeah you know i i think no, it's, that, it's not that has a, a possibility and the other point you've made very elegantly there colin is that we've no idea which way the technology is going to go you know the world of the world of 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 vehicle engineering of just engineering full stop is incredibly innovative and who knows that we won't develop uh, another type of fuel uh, that will allow us to continue using internal combustion engines which normally produces uh, a nitrous dioxide or, or nitrous oxide um, as, a, as a byproduct of burning any hydrocarbon fuel but um, uh, there's there's possibilities of developing that in a different way. Who who knows? I mean, you know, we're talking about hydrogen fuel cells. Well, I know that is it JCB have just developed uh one of their JCB engines. So the JCB is like a what, what do you call them backhoes for for, for people that are not uh, earth movers. So small earth movers, Caterpillar do them, JCB do them, I think Case do them. There's a lot of different manufacturers of these backhoes. They've got a shovel on the front and a backhoe on the back, used on building sites when they're building houses and things that are multi-purpose machines. JCB, British manufacturer, have made one with a they've converted a diesel engine to to run with hydrogen gas. So it basically runs as a petrol engine because it'll have spark ignition. Uh, uh, and it runs on hydrogen gas, which can be refilled relatively quickly. It doesn't need recharged. Recharging fuel cells takes time. Recharging just a gas pressure cylinder in a GCB uh, is much, much quicker. So the, the their downtime is is zero by comparison to to that of an electric or uh, or um, um a hydrogen fuel cell so that's a really interesting innovation and hydrogen you know you 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 get out of water electricity a catalyst and you've got the gas the expensive part of that i believe is compressing it cooling it and compressing it and putting it into tanks that's what takes the energy getting the actual hydrogen gas out of the water i understand is 
moderately simple, and I'm saying that very much as a lay lay person. So I'm prepared to being shot down. I can feel the well, I can feel daggers in my back already. But basically, so there's some interesting. The point being, interesting technology could come and shake up our sport, and I would like to think that we'll be dynamic enough to allow that to happen. And and I believe that the hybrid option we've got at the moment will allow that to happen. I hope. What, what will be the success of the, the, the hybrid at the start, you know, with these regulations, when Monsieur Maton was the one championing, championing them, you know, the success was to be judged on the new manufacturers that we brought into the sport. Mm-hmm. We lost one. We started yeah, with well, four. We, also, We've lost we also one. lost We've Mr. Maton, so, didn't so what, we? Yeah. We did. We did. Yes. But, you know, what, what is the success of these regulations? How do we judge the success? Do we judge it on new manufacturers? Do we judge it on the fact that the sport at this highest level just to sustaining itself you know is that is that in itself a success i think it i think is. the the, the um, big thing if you're going to measure it from the manufacturer point of view the key there the key element there will be the relevance of it we've already discussed that and the cost well these cars are cheaper to make but i still think there's a little bit more to do on that there's a little bit more to do on that but again i'm i'm only thinking that because i i don't have the insights that uh, that are really required to 100% say that but i would like to see cars down at the cost of an r5 car still that's what i'd like to see the car cost at wow well, the uh-huh. hybrid unit costs almost as much as an r5 car george Not well that quite, price but, that price know. will be coming down as it becomes <laughs> more accessible surely um, we, we are kind of running out of time, guys. Is there anything anybody feels we haven't covered that we need to add in to this week's episode before Colin goes off to find his bus? <laughs> I'm looking forward to we that. We want photos of that, by the way, <laughs> on the Colin, bus. Colin, why would you be going? Why would you be going into Leon when you're already in Guanajuato, which is very pretty and beautiful in the evenings, beautiful at all times of the day, with lots of nice restaurants? George, I think he's actually uh, yeah, going to where the nice event is, George. <laughs> Well, it won't be started yet. To actually do some work. That's 100% correct. Oh, he's going to go and work. Sorry. (laughs) It never occurred to me he would work, Colin. (laughs) And I I meant that not not in any other way than I think of of Mexico. Luke lots of work by now. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I I I would be with Luke. doing lots and lots of work. Lots and lots (laughs) and lots, honestly. But no, I used to always stay here during the rally. I stayed in Guanajuato. If you get the right place, it's got easy access in and out. It's a great place to stay. And it's, you know, Leon's a nice enough place, but it's, it's an industrial town. It's, it's, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a big city, whereas Guanajuato is, is a World Heritage listed place. And it is just very, very special. So I have to say, though, I did go out for dinner. The first night I went out for dinner in Lyon uh, with uh, my colleagues and it was this big restaurant with big, big groups of families and people. And then the mariachi bands are in Lyon and they all turn up at the restaurant and there was a massive singing competition going off between the tables. So the mariachi band would wander over to one table and someone would stand up and sing very, very proudly and, and fabulously and then issue a challenge to somebody else in the room. It was brilliant. What a way to be welcome to Mexico. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, like to eat. Tonight, I just I just like to eat my dinner. Thanks, Lisa. I'm not looking for entertainment. Here, George. George, I was reminded <laughs> by my little me. brother about... About yeah. our favourite restaurant, the Pampas restaurant, just along from the service park that feeds yeah. you half a cow every time you go in there. So that's that's where I might <laughs> go tonight, yeah. George, and send you a picture from there. That's, that's a Brazilian place. The Pampas is the Brazilian place, yeah. Oh, 
it's the one. It's, it's the one. It's, it's just it's it's three restaurants removed from the ones that are right adjacent to the service park. So it's so it's, so it's back uh, south about uh, five hundred meters, and then west about a kilometre. Uh, and not too many people know about it. Um, you didn't used to find too many people from teams in it. Just a few, a few here and there that we told about it. But it, 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 it was sufficiently off the main drag to not suffer from the tourist price hiking, which all the restaurants along the the main road in and out of Lyon did anywhere near the service park. All of a sudden, the prices were double on the Wednesday than they would be on the Monday when you arrived. So the Pampas was well, one go. of the the fair restaurants. Yeah, very nice. So if that's you, 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 you might have just ruined that for future years, George. You might have just completely <laughs> no, no, no. The Pampas, uncovered the Pampas, that hidden gem status. They, they they knew it and they they they, they did a fine caipirinho as well. And I've been oh yeah, do you like dri- a I've been driven driven back to my hotel by Colin on several occasions, having indulged George, in. You only need one of those to actually find your legs go a bit wobbly. I just worked out, George. You're talking about yes. a different restaurant. I'm, I'm listening Am to I? your instructions, thinking, how does he do this off the top of his head? And I'm thinking, and as you're giving those instructions, I'm following the route in my head. And you go, you come outside, uh-huh. turn right, you go straight down the road, yeah, and yeah. it's just on the left. Is that south? Is that west? No, it's east. No, and you're thinking of Brazil is. 2000. Brazil 2000 was the one that no, did all no, of no, the. No, 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 that's the, that that that's the expensive one, I think. I'm this just going to wait until I start fading Colin. you down at the end of the yeah, show. Yeah, fade guys. us down. <laughs> this is going to... Um, but it is another, it's another possibility to add to the us. website that um, potentially on dirtfish.com, not only will we be covering the events, we'll also be covering the restaurants that you should be looking for when you travel abroad to finally get back out properly, when we finally shake off all this COVID-19 regulations and stuff and money starts flowing into our pockets again and we can finally go out to the events. But yeah, so you guys just just keep that in mind that you need to do a restaurant column, well, uh, column Colin, as well. No, Lisa, well, yes, I'm happy to do that, but I'm, it's an open invitation to all our Dirtfish Rally friends. You know, if you are ever on a rally and you want to come to a restaurant, give us a shout, you know, and we'll take you there. Well, we won't take you and pay for it, clearly. <laughs> or TV. Well, that was that's, quick. That's, that's pushing it a wee bit, you know. <laughs> you can, we will you can recommend. Come and experience, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll recommend that you come and experience some of the, the wonderful places that George and I have discovered. Jo- George is legendary in the, uh, the World Rally Championship for finding restaurants. And it's, uh, notice that I didn't say finding good restaurants there, Lise. You just said it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's hit and miss. It's hit and miss with George. He's a man who likes to take a risk. So, you know, it's like, oh, yes. as he said, oh, you, we'll nice, go past the it? restaurant, it'll be packed, and it'll be full of rally people. Oh, no, we're not going in there. Oh, no, no, no. So we'll go and we'll find a little local place full of local people. And, okay, maybe, what, George, 50, 60% of the time, he finds no. little gems. 30, Colin, 40% is, of the it, time... It, it, Colin, mm. it is the Pampas. It is the Pampas, and it is... <laughs> right. <laughs> it is. Luke, it's been an absolute pleasure listening to you on Spin the Rally Pod once again. For your wisdom you and your insight. We could just leave now, couldn't we? And let them think this has been a conversation. These two, yeah. 500, 500 metres south, Colin. Bye, Lee. Oh, this is how it goes on the whole time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Spin the Rally Pod. We will be back with more. Colin and David will be reporting back from Mexico. George will be making sure that they did go to the correct restaurant and enjoy their meal there. And Luke will be just keeping us all sane with exactly the stuff we really need to know. So thanks for listening to this episode. Thanks, guys. We'll Thanks, speak to you. Thank, thank you very much.